welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Pastor Antoine kicks off our new series, Baggage. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor Antoine Lasseter. We're starting a new message this, uh, for the next few weeks. Um, the message is entitled Baggage. Does anybody have any baggage? No? I, I've been, yeah, I've been traveling a lot lately. And um, uh, when I first started traveling, uh, I packed everything I thought I needed, everything I wanted, and just in case. So I would pack stuff, man, and it would be crazy because, uh, you know, when you got a lot of baggage, it really slows you down. And... uh, you know, you, you got to make sure that your baggage is good and you got to check your baggage into, uh, what is it, the claim? You travel a lot. You always traveling, worshiping and doing stuff like that. But here's, but you take planes. So when, you, when you're on a plane, uh, you know, you have people that's moving through the airport like this because maybe they almost missed their flight. And then God forbid, if you have little children and you're running late, Oh, word. I, I saw this one, this one. Dad was running like, uh, like, like a track star. And there were three kids um, in between him and his wife. And, and he was like this. And the kids were like looking at the lights and, and just, and the mom was doing this. And he would turn around and he'd be like, like come on. Like, he, 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 not only he had baggage, he had kids. So the baggage was slowing them down and them kids. And, and so I started realizing, because, you know, as pastors and preachers, we can get a message out of anything. And so as I traveled to Atlanta this week and a week before, it was, I have no idea. But, <laughs> but as I traveled constantly, um, the more I travel, um, the lighter I want to travel. I don't like carrying all this baggage through. So sometimes I, I, I don't carry everything I want because yes, I'm learning to travel light yes, and I'm trying to take, I'm, I'm trying to go from one place to the next. And sometimes going from that one place to the next, I don't need everything from the place that I just left. I need to go to the next place with light baggage. And what I start realizing is, um, some of us, not this church, but the church is like 17.6 miles northwest of uh, this. But, but some of us, we don't mind carrying all this baggage. But here's what I realized. That plane ain't going to stop because you missed it. And, and, and so there's a lot of factors when it comes to traveling. I had the worst flight this week in my entire life. I called on the name of Jesus several times. Man, oh my, I felt like we was dropping from the sky. And I started realizing all the things I left undone. But I digress. It ain't about you, man of God. It's about the baggage that most of us carry all the time. And so when we enter new relationships, um, we are carrying that baggage. And so uh, nothing, everybody say nothing, is new under the sun. 
And so just because we live in this modern day, sometimes, and especially in isolation, we think it's only, it's only happening to us. That our baggage, our problems, it's only unique to us. But if you look through Scripture, everybody say Scripture. It's all in Scripture. Moses had a stuttering problem. And he, and he goes, a language problem, an impediment of some sort, and he goes before God. And God says, I'm going to call you. And Moses basically says, no. Because Moses, Moses is carrying baggage to God. Now, God is creator of heaven and earth and can deal with his baggage. But his baggage is so weighing him down, he believes that his baggage stands before him and God. He calls you with your baggage. He calls you in spite of your baggage. And the challenge of us, now we're talking, we've been talking about disciples so much, I'm thinking that we haven't talked about it enough. See, I thought you said, I'm thinking that's enough. No, it's never enough because everything that we do is about discipleship. The challenge, though, we put this discipleship in this neat little box with five steps and formulas, and we are absent of people's baggage. One step for one person takes forever because they're carrying all of this with them. Another person, uh, it doesn't take as long. But discipleship is like a two-year-old with a crayon. It's all over the place. And, and so if we're going to make disciples, we got to realize that in making disciples, we first have to be... Okay. It's not in vain. It's not in vain. So in first, in order for us to make disciples, we have to be disciples. We have to be discipled first. And you know what happened when people were discipling us? This is what we brought. You don't know what I've been through. I got a lot. Can you carry that bag for me? I got a lot of stuff that I've been through. Like, like, like my last church. Can we talk about that? See, I'm going to tell you something. I love y'all. I do. I know, I know you didn't see that coming. I love y'all. I love the uniqueness of your story. I love listening to how God brought you to this church with a funny name, with this charismatic, handsome pastor. I like love hearing your stories. And, and the thing that's so unique about your story, it's your story. But then I start seeing the connections in all of our story. So we're going to play a little game for a second, okay? Hmm. Shouldn't, I didn't think this through. If you have experienced some form of church hurt, just raise your hand. Now, I want you to look around the room. It's amazing that 90% of us have experienced church hurt. Now, this is the baggage that we bring to this church. 
because I ain't hurt you yet. <laughs> it's coming because I'm human. And even in my greatest intentions not to, it's still possible. So even if, I, if, if this church uh, just brushes against a wound, we're not brushing against the wound in isolation. We are brushing against all of this. So I'm going to take my bags and go home. <laughs> Ain't no church right. Uh -oh. this, this is ridiculous. I done gave my heart to another church. And Lord have mercy. I, you know what? Not no more. Not no more. I'm taking my bags and I'm going home. And I realize that if we don't deal with this baggage, we're going to keep jumping from relationship to relationship, church to church, people to people. Because as my grandfather, the Reverend Dr. James H. Hampton said, People are people since people been people. So unless you're the church of one and you get on your own nerves, uh, <laughs> it's the truth. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, come on, Antoine, come on. It's your life together. Baggage. And so um, when was the last time that you packed the essentials and not packed everything for your next destination. When was the last time that um, you traveled light and it wasn't so cumbersome? Did that baggage slow your process down or were you able to navigate it with it? Did you check some bags in or did you have a carry-on? Did it cost you to check those, check those bags? You ever lose luggage? And although at that moment, you and I, because I've lost luggage before. No, I didn't lose anything. American Airlines. Sorry. Flashbacks. I didn't think at the moment that I would lose, that, that I would, I didn't think at that moment when I, my baggage was lost, um, I didn't think at that moment that I would make it. And it was lost for like, uh, day and a half. But I survived with that lost luggage. And so did I really need it? If I was able to survive without the luggage, did I really need it? And so I want us to take this journey over the next five weeks. And this journey um, is simply baggage. And we're just going to, we're going to park in Ephesians chapter 3 because Paul is going to be dealing with baggage. And so we're going to take over the next few weeks, um, we're going to park uh, week number one. This is week number one, maybe. I'm already 15 minutes in the hole. But week one is letting go of man, the baggage of man. People, traditions and legalism put expectations on you. Your prior church put these expectations on you. And some, sometimes these expectations did not lead us to God. It was actually causing us to drift away from God. And we have confused motion with movement. So in other words, we're doing this in a hamster wheel. 
and um, we're not getting anywhere. Next week, we're, then the week after, we'll talk about mistakes. Some of our biggest challenge is the baggage of mistakes. You can't get over what you did. And so you're stuck. So I just, I'm just going to let you know right now. Hey, I just said hello. Like, mistakes. Uh, one of the most dangerous and subtle baggages that we carry is pride. Like, I don't like asking for help because you're prideful. So until we get to the root of that baggage, we won't be free. Uh, man, this hits close to home. Baggage of worries. There's always something to worry about. It's crazy like that. You good until you talk to that worrisome friend. Man, the last time you went to the gas station, you just did this. But then when you listen to your favorite commentator, commentator and he told you about this, now all of a sudden you're losing everything. Worries. And the hard one is letting go of expectations. Child, I tell you. Whew. Expectations. I, I argue that every relationship is struggling when there's unmet expectations. I don't care what relationship it is. Chrysler Financial expects you to pay on time. When that expectation is not met, you're going to come out like this. I know I parked over. Oh, no, I parked over here. Huh. They got me. Unmet <laughs> expectations. And so we're going to take, um, take a journey through Philippians. We're going to really park in Philippians chapter 3. Um, but uh, I want you to uh, read Philippians chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 2 for your homework assignment. You're not just going to get up, make me get up here and work. We all got to, to invest in this. You know what I'm saying? Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes to the church in Philippi um, while he's in prison. And he opens up in Philippians chapter 1 by expressing his love and his gratitude towards the Philippians for their partnership in the gospel. Say partners. Um, the expectation is that as a body, we're partners in the gospel. Partners. We own this together. We invest in this together. Partners. And he expresses love for them. He encourages them to grow in their faith and to be united in love. There's a common theme that you see in Paul's writing. Unity, harmony, love. And so in Philippians chapter 1, that's what he's doing. And, and then we have these nuggets that's uh, in Philippians chapter 1. Um, and we, we preach this a lot. Uh, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you is faithful to finish. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's another uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Uh, For me to live is Christ. Mm-hmm. And to die is gain. That's, 
That's these nuggets that he has in Philippians chapter 1. He's telling them to remain in unity, to remain in harmony, love one another. And he is writing this in prison, house arrest. He can't, he, his movements are restricted. And he's uh, turning, uh, turning his heart towards the church in Philippi. And he's writing out of love. He's not writing to beat them up in previous letters. He has done that. Um, uh, uh, one time, Paul is just a sidebar. One time, Paul there was uh, there was testing him and said, "You write these big words when you ain't here." And Paul says, "So enough. Listen, no, okay. Anyway, read your Bible. Philippians chapter two. Um, uh, we always talk about. He talks about in Philippians chapter two. He says, "Imitate the humility of Christ." Oh man, the humility of Christ. And then uh, old folks used to scare me when they said this to me, you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but I am afraid now. So he, this is what um, Philippians chapter 2, the summary is. And then Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or, or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Like, we're supposed to get gridlocked, opening the door for one another. You go. No, 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 no. You go. No, 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 no. You go. He's saying, uh, be, be in humility, have humility, but also um, see others more important than you do yourself. He's building this community. So you see these themes of unity, <clears throat> humility, dependence on Christ. And this is yelling from the pages of the first two chapters. But Paul is pointing them to Jesus. Everything, say everything. Everything that we do here should point people to Jesus. And so Paul says of himself that his life has been an offering. He's in prison now. His life has been an offering to advance the kingdom. And, um, uh, and, and this is where we will begin to, to, to shape our focus, to turn our focus into uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 uh, through 11. And so remember, we got the backdrop of Philippians chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 2. And this is Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Stay right there. He tells us to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Our joy comes from the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Chuck Swindle says, joy comes only through humble faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ, joining ourselves in harmony with his followers and serving others in the name of Christ. In other words, there's a need for a savior and trust. There's a need for a savior and we trust in the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross to bring forgiveness and salvation. And then community is significant, and this is the place that believers support and encourage one another in our faith. And then we serve in tangible ways to express our faith and our, how we follow Christ's example of selflessness and love. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Now he goes hard in the paint. Watch out for the dogs. 
Watch out for evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate, mutilate the flesh. So context. So when the new believers, Judaism, the, uh, the Jewish culture, culture and tradition um, um, uh, was the early believers were from Jewish culture and heritage. And if you look at the Old Testament, uh, the chosen people, children of Israel, et cetera, et cetera. And when people began to uh, convert to Christ, they attempted to put on them uh, the burdens of their tradition. Um, the evidence of your salvation, according to these folks who were putting things on them, was adhering to these certain practices and laws, et cetera, et cetera. And so Philip, Philip, so Paul was saying, hey, watch out for them dogs. Not that sweet Pomeranian that you have at your home, but in this context, dogs were savages. They were, they were brutal. And he says, watch out for the dogs the evildoers, the evil workers, and watch out those who mutilate the flesh. Now, as the Jewish custom, they would uh, circumcise the male children, right? And so when people were converted to Christianity at 47 years old, they were sharpening the knives. You ready to be circumcised, Reverend? And, and, and they were like, yo, well, if you don't get circumcised, you're not saved. And that's a hard quandary. <laughs> I want to adhere to Christ and this newfound freedom I have. But between me and that freedom is all this baggage. So you're saying I can be free if I do this. Absolutely. And if you want more salvation, we're going to use a dull knife. No, I'm just kidding. That was... I don't know where that came from. Y'all pray for me. All right. Yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy. Forgive me, Lord. Y'all pray for me. See, those who have not been praying for me, shame on you. Verse number three, for we are the circumcision to ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is now giving his resume. I'm circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew born of Hebrews. Regarding the law, I'm a Pharisee. I know the law like the back of my hand. Um, regarding zeal, nobody was more zealous than Paul. I used to kill people like you. <laughs> In the name of God, I was persecuting the church regarding the righteousness that is in the law. Blameless. I upheld the law. So if anyone can boast, if anyone can brag, Paul is saying, I'm that dude. I carry the law beyond the circumcision. If you were not circumcised, I was, I was persecuting you. I was dragging men, women, and children out of their homes in pursuit of the things of God. So if anyone need to boast about adherence to this law, Paul is saying, that's, I'm your guy. And I'm realizing that alone, that is nothing compared to the goodness of Jesus. So why are you trying to put this baggage and this bondage on people when Christ did the work on the cross. I'm about to free some of y'all. 
about to free. He said, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Verse number eight, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in, in Christ. I need for you to see this. Verse number nine, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. And what we have here is legalism. And so if we're going to be, uh, if we're going to uh, travel light, we need to understand uh, that legalism uh, is, this is my definition, it's a working definition, but this is what legalism is. Legalism is man's insertion of his own standards and rules into God's perfect law. And this leads to the baggage of self-righteousness. Ma'am, sir, you are not where you are because of your degrees. You are not where you are because you can quote scriptures like the back of your hand. You're not where you are because uh, you were born in a certain family and this person passed it. We are where we are because of Christ's love for us. And so we are all his children, but the baggage of man will make us exalt our righteousness to other people. That's how when we, when we fast, Jesus dealt with this. When they were fasting, they were fasting in the public square, trying to show what that's what legalism is. Legalism is trying to show holiness. A holiness is an inner work. But I can play the part. Legalism is man's insertion of his own standards and rule into God's perfect law. And this is what has drifted into the church. Liberalism. Liberalism is a man's insertion of personal opinions, preferences, and cultural values and Christian beliefs. And so what we have here is these two things are the extreme. First, we bring people into uh, bondage, I don't use this word lightly, uh, bondage, legalism. And then the opposite is you free to do whatever you want to do. Both of them are lies. And both of them is man's insertion of what God has already done. And, and so this is liberalism. Liberalism is literally taking liberty with the good news of the gospel. So we have word of faith, we got prosperity, we got all these things that, that, that take liberties with the gospel. But hold up, wait a minute. We also do it on the political spectrum. Listen, if God is more concerned about who's president than his people, the re man, ooh, you know what? <sighs> mm -hmm. Legalism and liberalism, liberalism is uh, two sides of the same coin. 
And so what I got to unpack for you, see what I did there? Unpack. What I got to unpack for you is how we have to understand the truth of God's word and stop distorting it based on how we feel. We are called to pray for all leaders, not just your favorite one. Man, and we're going to... Man, I got this righteous indignation that is rising up in me, and I'm trying to be careful. And the reason I'm trying to be careful is because this is not to sway you in your political affiliation. This is to open your mind to the fact that there's one banner, and that's the banner of Jesus Christ. I am more like another Christian in a faraway country than I am about an unbeliever in this country. There's something brings us together, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I preach anything, let me preach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't want to preach, because what happens is people are bringing their baggage and distorting the gospel. And we are giving these people platforms. Listen, I'm telling you, if we don't get back to the truth and the faithfulness of God's word, we're going to be having tickling ears and they're going to scratch our itch and we're going to build altars believing that we're worshiping God and we're worshiping idols. Baggage. Baggage. Liberalism and legalism can lead to spiritual baggage because we become indifferent to the truth and we lose sight of the importance of holiness and obedience to God's word. So we need to let go, but both of them are rooted in man. Baggage of man. But here's the first cousin to legalism. Want to know the first cousin? No, they're siblings. No, they're twins. They're fraternal twins. Legalism is the twin of traditionalism. Man, I'm about to go. Jesus. Well, well, baby, it's been a nice ride. It's been a nice ride. (laughs) The difference between baggage and bondage. uh, Baggage, um, uh, we can't confuse the two. uh, there's a nuanced difference. Uh, baggage is something that we carry with us, while bondage is something that holds us captive. And so they're, 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 we are moving. Uh, you see it throughout the first century church. Um, you, you'll see how they're, they're coming out of something, and then they bring what they came out of into the newness of Christ. And, and so Paul was dealing with it. You know, you just, you're just worshiping these idols and you're sacrificing food and those things like that. And you bring those, practice, you know, those practices to uh, Christianity, to the faith. And so we call it syncretism. It's, it's where the culture begins to shape the church. It's the culture begins to shape doctrine. The culture begins to move us away from the truth of the gospel until this new thing that God never intended us to be. And so what you have in traditions is we, we rally around traditions. A story is told of a mom, um, a young mother, who uh, every, every Christmas, she, she cooked a Christmas ham. And uh, the, the, the little girl, teenagers, was watching her mom one morning, and um, she was about to prepare for the ham, and she saw her mom cut a big chunk off the front of the ham and, and then cut the, the, the other side of the ham and put it in the stove. 
and the girl is like writing notes and it's like, huh, mom, when you cook the ham, I saw you cut both sides of the ham off. Why do you do that? Mom's like, hey, I don't know. She picks up the phone, calls her mom, and says, mom, um, why do we cut both pieces of the ham and then we stick it in the stove? Her mom was like, I don't know. Let me call you your grandma. So they, she called her grandma and she's like, grandma, like mom. Uh, Bessie asked me about the ham and the grandma says, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do that because the ham was too big to fit in the stove. <laughs> and that's what we do with traditions. We do things for no other reason because that's all we've done before. And God, and see, the traditions within itself is not bad. Because cutting off the pieces of the ham is not bad. It's bad when you make it a law. Now everybody got to worship like you. Now everybody got to believe the exact same. Listen, the gospel, everybody say the gospel. The gospel can cover it. But I am so insecure with what I believe, I can't even sit down with you and reason. There should be more dialogue in the church than it is on social media. Baggage. Baggage is like carrying around a heavy backpack filled with things that we really don't need, but we hold on to because we're afraid to let it go. It may slow us down, but we're still moving forward. Bondage, on the other hand, is like being tied to a heavy boulder that we can't escape from. It completely paralyzes us and prevents us from moving forward at all. So many of us are confused. I ain't bond. I ain't bound, Pastor. No, you're just carrying baggage. And, you, and, and we hold on to it and make the baggage the gospel. And anything that's, listen, man, when we, we hear the gospel message, this is all, this is, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to sum up your journey. All right? You heard the gospel, you responded. You were so pure and innocent. Oh, man. You just want to see people saved. You get rid of all your CDs and start watching G-rated movies. You just stopped. You didn't know what was going on in Mickey Mouse. No idea. Because that's what they taught us. They taught us holiness was abstaining from all those things. And then somebody came along and showed you another way. And then you begin to doubt everything, not some things, everything that you were taught. And it slowly drifted you away. Because in your heart, if they wasn't right about, then they never. And you were, it was hard to reconcile the traditions of men versus the truth of gospel. And so now we come in relationships like this. Nah, cuz. Nope. See, if I get too close to you, I'm a, you're going to see what's in this baggage I'm carrying. And the Holy Spirit is, is this what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and then do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. You mean to tell me you jumped out of the frying pan into the boiling hot flame? Because if we're not careful, the baggage will lead us to the spirit of opposite. 
I want a church that's opposite from my last one. I want a relationship that's opposite from my last relationship. I want a president that's opposite from the last president instead of being ruled by your convictions. Our convictions, based biblical convictions, are based on a certain truth that's non-negotiable. This bizarre world, it's the opposite of Superman. I won't, it's like, it's, it's the misalignment of the anti-hero. It's, it's, you know, Superman, like they had to make Superman bad. How, why, Sway, why? Because we have convoluted heroes now. And so, God forbid, if a hero steps off the platform into humanity, we, wanna, we want him to hide and we don't want him to ever come out again. But the flip side of it is, for some of us, the, we, we can't see past their humanity because we have lifted them up to be humility, I mean, to, to be heroes. And so they step, they make a mistake on Monday and restore Tuesday, the following Tuesday. How? But I don't mean for them to disappear either. We have a gospel of restoration. But that doesn't mean he returned to the same platform. But he don't go into hiding. There are moments that he needs to be healed and made whole and restored. Now it's either the opposite. So if I say, man, it was hurtful that such and such did what he did. Oh, you want him to do it. No, I'm just saying it was hurtful for what he did. I'm not saying he shouldn't be restored. I'm, not saying, I'm, I'm just saying, man, I hurt. When a fellow pastor falls, when a fellow politician falls, all these things. But what's happening is we have to be extreme. If I support one, if I support an element of this, then I'm anti-Christ. We, 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 we're living in this day where everybody has to think alike. And Paul is dealing with legalism because I will argue that what's happening slowly to the church is we're drifting into our corners, waiting for the bell to ring so we can beat up each other. And the world is eating popcorn like, and this is the unity of the church? Wow, why do I want that? Y'all look just like us. So, God calls us to a life of freedom and wholeness. It's impossible to achieve when we are weighed down by the burdens of our baggage. I'm out of time, but I'll be back next week. (laughs) Why was that funny? (laughs) Okay, I won't be back, all right. I'm going to leave you with three points. I'll develop these points next week. The reason why we've got to deal with our baggage is because baggage can limit our perspective. I love being challenged by some friends that I hold, cl- I hold close to me. Man, if there's a 20-item list, we might agree on 13 of those things. The seven items. We just, we're in a relationship. We walk together. I never want to dismiss friends because we don't agree on the seven things. There's, there's more that's holding us together than pulling us apart. Baggage can limit our perspective. Second point is baggage can hold us back from taking risk. And the third, baggage can keep us from experiencing true freedom. And so as we walk this journey together over the next few weeks, We're just going to look at our baggage, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray 
at the end of this series that you began, myself included, that we began to start checking some of these baggages in. To some of us, we're not struggling with the baggage of man, what man has put on us. You got to think this way, you got to talk this way, you got to act this way, you got to look this way, you got to dress this way. A friend of mine jokingly said, he visited once, and I don't know what y'all was wearing that day, but he visited once and he said, man, that guy got a Jordan church. I'm like, what? He said, everybody in that church wear Jordans. That's not true. But it disrupted some people who heard it. He said, what? Are, are, you, are you the pastor of that church? I thought, I am at this moment. I said, so if, when I come to your church, what do I dress like? I said, man, as long as you have clothes on, you're pretty much good. He said, oh, I church I want, you know, I just, you know, blazer and blah, blah, blah. That's just how I grew up. And I was like, man, I ain't knocking it. There's many churches that can meet that need. But I'm not going to start dressing up to meet that need. What I want us to be careful about is pushing our traditions on other people. That concludes this week's message. If you were blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.